Welcome to The Five, a podcast built to inform nonprofits about critical functions that will improve their organization. I'm your host, Eric Morcheski, CEO and co-founder of Nimble Strategies. We are bringing The Five to you as a part of our company's five-year anniversary celebration with thought leaders from across the country. Welcome to The Five. I'm here with Kristen Sorth, Director and CEO of the St. Louis County Libraries. Kristen, can you tell us a little bit about your background and, and your experience and what led you into the world of libraries? Sure. I have a pretty non-traditional path to being a library director. I um, started here 25 years ago and I was over the human resources department at the library. And then I started to take on more administrative responsibilities and I have a master's degree in public administration. And then our director left and the board asked me to fill in as the interim director. And then they hired me as the director a couple months later. And then they asked me to go back to library school. So I also have a master's degree in library science, but really my background is in public administration. And I, I had through osmosis, lots of library experience, obviously, but then getting a master's degree in library science was very helpful as well. So tell us a little bit about St. Louis County Library. So we are the busiest public library in the state of Missouri. We have 20 branches all over St. Louis County, and we have about 600 employees. So we are a business, a large business, a large employer in St. Louis County, but we're not in the business to make money. We're in the business of people. So I think people think of libraries as being about books, and we're certainly about books, but we're also about being a center of community and being a place where people want to come and hang out and have a good time, not just, you know, read, of course, as well, but lots of other things too. That's great. And I, I know my kids and my wife are active at the county libraries, even during the summer with the uh, reading programs for the kids. They're all all great programs that you guys have put together. So we're very grateful for the St. Louis County Libraries. <laughs> so we're here to talk a little bit about partnerships. Why does that mean something to you and to the county libraries? Well, I will say that we were pretty under the radar for many years. We were a very traditional library system. And about 10 years ago, really around the time when I became the director, we were also going through this huge construction project. And we thought it's time to stop being under the radar. And it's also time to start asking ourselves, who are we as a public library? Are we going to remain a really traditional library? Are we going to evolve into something else? And I think without evolving, libraries run the risk of becoming not relevant, not as relevant as they used to be. So the For the Sake of All report came out, Jason Purnell was the author of, and it talked about things that made a difference in St. Louis based on social determinants of health. And we said, well, you know what, that's who we want to be. And we're going to steer our priorities in that direction. And so once we did that, we said, well, we can't do all of this. You know, libraries do tons of things, but we can't do all of it. And we're not good at all of it. And we decided that we would actively look for partners who could help us in our journey along the way to supporting the community in a totally different way. And so that really started with, honestly, with Operation Food Search, we had already had a partnership with them for many years. We did a food drive for them. And then 
um, we started talking about doing meals for kids in the summer, and this is pre-pandemic. And so we started doing summer meals for kids. And then that partnership led to another partnership that led to another partnership. And that's kind of where, where we started. That's great. I don't know if I've ever shared, but when I first took over at the Arch, we went out and met with Golden Gate National Park Conservancy out there. And one of the things that we quickly learned is they were working on bringing people into the national parks in San Francisco that were maybe not active communities and utilizing the national park spaces throughout the region. And they first started out with realizing that people didn't have access. And so they started providing shuttles. And the first day they launched those, not a soul got on the shuttle. And what they realized is they weren't a trusted partner in those areas. And so when they sought out a trusted partner, that trusted partner was actually the libraries because the libraries had been there for hundreds of years. They weren't trying to come in and make a quick flash in the pan like maybe other groups had done. They had been a community resource for years and years. And and that made such a difference in how they developed that partnership and how that grew for the community there. So I I always think of that when I think of of library partnerships. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I think libraries are the best partners because we, we do what we say and the trusted community aspect of it is so vital I think there's lots of really well-meaning nonprofits and other organizations that want to reach out and help communities, but sometimes they don't ask if they need their help. And then there are communities that don't trust people who are offering to help. And the difference with us is they do trust us. They've been trusting us forever. You know, it's sort of a level setting environment. You can come in, nobody asks why you're there. We're here to help, those kinds of things. And so when we partner with organizations who want to get their services and their resources out, people trust that it's legitimate and that the that we have the best interests, their best interests at heart. I think that's very true. It's much appreciated. So with all this being said, you know, let, let's talk about your five. What are those five things that you think of when you think of building partnerships and developing partnerships that are successful with the public libraries? So we always, this is a philosophy that we have with our patrons, and then we transferred it over to our partnerships. We try and always start with yes. We always try and figure out a way to say yes and work backwards from there. I think There are lots of organizations, and frankly, the public library for years was really a a rule-heavy organization where we started with no, and that does not make you a, a trusted community space when you tell people no all the time. And then when people approach, you know, I I have ideas too, and I appreciate. Uh, partners that say, well, that's an interesting idea, which sometimes I say that too. And sometimes that means I don't know how this is going to work. But a lot of times it if it doesn't work quite the way that it starts with, you find a way that does work. And so I think that just leaves you open to so many exciting opportunities instead of just saying no. I think that's great. I and that- then then do you want me to go through my whole list? <laughs> sure, let's fire away. <laughs> okay, so I would say the second one is uh, to show up and to do, you know, to to be there and to be present in the community. 
we joke about this all the time, but it's like you hang your shingle out to say we're open to community partnerships and then they come all over the place. And I think that only happens when you talk about the work that you're doing and that you are in all the places in the region where the conversation is happening about how to support people in the community. So if you're you know, sitting in your office, not going to community meetings and not going to things, no one's going to remember that you're there to exist. So I think you have to, you have to show up in the community for people to know that you're a trusted partner. That's a great point. I think, especially during COVID, it became easy to not show up. And so I think something that we've probably had to retrain ourselves a little bit on is just showing up and going back out and being out as, as a part of the community. And I will say a pandemic is the worst time to try and establish partnerships. So we were so lucky that we already had partnerships with Operation Food Search, with the Diaper Bank, with school districts, with um, Little Bit Foundation, all those organizations that we already knew and worked with, we could call and say, hey, this is a crisis for our community. Like Operation Food Search is the best example. We started doing drive-through meals where we would drop, you know, food in people's trunks like a week after the pandemic, like a week into lockdown, we were already doing that. And that was a very involved process. And we couldn't have done that without having such a strong partnership with them. Okay. Let's see. Um, Number three is do what you say you're going to do. I think over-promising and under-delivering is the worst because people will start to second guess you going forward. So I think you have to be really realistic about uh, what you can do and what, what you can't do. You need to be honest and upfront. Most people understand And then once you say you're going to do it and you're going to commit to it, you have to do it. It's a two-way, two-way partnership, sometimes three-way partnership, sometimes even more. And the, the end result can be unsuccessful if someone falls down in that partnership. So I think you have to be very clear and then you have to, you have to do what you say you're going to do. Um, and then I think uh, you and I talked about this earlier, but you need to understand what the goals are for the organization and realize that, you know, for for us, sometimes we're the perfect distribution site for some of these nonprofits to reach people in the community. And that's that's okay with us. If we can help them reach more people by talking about the programs that they have or offering diapers or period supplies or food, that is okay. So I think going in, um, knowing what the goals are and also being upfront about them and talking about them helps as well. And then if you have problems with the long-term goals that an organization has, you need to tell them or or don't enter into the partnership. You know, I think a lot of people get approached about partnering. Sometimes people want to apply for grants and they they need a, a partner to sign on. And then you're like, okay, you get, you know how this is. You get a letter like a day before they're submitting a grant and you think, well, I want to help them, but what does this mean for me? I think we, we all have rush to sign those partnership letters and then the grant comes and it's 
it's a mess. <laughs> so I think that you have to be, you, you can't get rushed into things. You have to talk about them and frankly say this, this just isn't going to work for us. And then the, the fifth one, you have to identify, I think, who the right people are that should be at the table and involve as many people as possible so that you know that it's just not one person handling all the work. That also can be really stressful. And then just just identifying, you know, the the path to get to what you want is also part of that. I think that's sage advice. I think (laughs) one of those things that when people look at a partnership, they don't realize it's essentially a joint venture. Um, Yes. (laughs) In in many cases, depending on what you're trying to do, um, probably needs something kind of developed in writing that says, you know, here's what we're going to do and here's what you're going to do. And here's what we're trying to accomplish with this. And it doesn't have to be a hundred pages, but at the same time, just needs to spell out what's trying to be accomplished and who's going to take the lead and who's going to take charge. And I think too often people think, well, a partnership's just a good thing and we'll figure it out as we go. And and that's usually when things get into trouble is they haven't really worked through and thought through some of the necessary pieces that go into that partnership. Yeah, I agree completely. And And I think you need to have the ability to say, hey, this isn't working. Let's step back and look and readjust. You know, I think there is always that we try and say, let's try this. And if it doesn't work, we're either going to not keep doing it or we're going to adjust and move from there. You have to go into that thinking, well, this this may not work the way we we thought it was going to work. Like, for example, like when we were doing drive through meals in the middle of the pandemic and drive through diapers you know, we quickly realized that people needed to know in a drive-through what size diapers we were out of, because that's really important when you're picking up diapers. And so we had to quickly say, this isn't working. There are people getting really frustrated in the drive-through because we're out of the larger size diapers. And then we started telling them ahead of time. So I think that comes with all that great communication that you set up ahead of time and that you're able to say, Hey, we've got people who are really mad, who are stressed out already. How can we fix this right away? Yeah. I think that's a good point is you have to be prepared to adjust because there's no such thing as a perfect plan and there's no such thing as, you know, we just nailed it from the start. I I mean, maybe there are scenarios where you've just done everything perfectly from the beginning, but there's always something that can be improved upon or, you know, made, made better so that the community can really see the benefits coming out of the program. And so it's a good idea to just kind of keep circling back even and and going through even your five points again of, you know, starting with the yes, showing up, doing what you say, understanding the goals and understanding if they've Mm -hmm. adjusted and identifying if even other partners need to be made a part of that partnership, because you might learn that along with diapers, they need food. And so bringing in, starting with the diaper bank and then moving into it, bringing in Operation Food Search or or something else can really enhance and improve what's actually being delivered for the community. I think too, I was just thinking about one other thing that when you talk about the partnerships, 
you have to make sure that you give credit to the, you know, we, that is a place where we are, I think a lot, like, I'll give you an example. We're, we're doing potty training 101 classes for the public and that's in partnership with the diaper bank. So Muriel, the executive director came to me with this idea and I was like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. We're, we're totally doing that. And so we're doing it in all of our branches. Our employees are delivering the program they gave us a curriculum and then they're assisting us with the take-home bag that has like a potty seat and a step stool and stickers and all the things. But when, you know, people are interested in that program because it's happening at the library and that's super unusual. I don't really know of any other public library that's doing that, but it wasn't my idea. It was, Mm -hmm. it was Muriel's idea. And so when we go out and we talk about it, we say all the time, like, we're in this partnership together. This was Mary, This was the diaper banks idea mm-hmm. that they brought to us. I think it's important. I think that goes with what are people, what are the goals of the program? And then you have to talk about those goals all the time so that you're on equal footing with a partner. I think that's a, a good suggestion. I mean, obviously you're a large organization as the county libraries an organization that might be smaller coming to you with a partnership idea probably in many ways needs recognition of that partnership much more so than the larger organization. So the more you can help them succeed and thrive, the the better those partnerships can look in the future as well. So giving that recognition, I think it's the same principle as working with donors, right? Saying thank you is never going to hurt you. Right. Right. (laughs) It's only going to be appreciated that you recognized that partner or that donor or anyone else. So I think it's a really good suggestion is, is that gratitude piece. Right. And also knowing that you're equally fundraising. I mean, we're in a little bit of a different place because we're tax supported. And so in some ways that makes us the greatest partner um, because we're not fundraising for our programs and services, but realize when you're partnering, especially for us, when we're partnering with a nonprofit we know that the success of that partnership is going to help them fundraise. Mm -hmm. And even if you're two organizations that are fundraising, you need to realize that the best product equals interested donors. (laughs) For sure. Yes. So kind of with all of this said, you know, what do you see changing in the future of partnerships for nonprofits? What is there anything that you see improving creating new issues in the landscape? What what are you thinking? Obviously, I think you just touched on one right there, which is, you know, recognizing that donor awareness uh, piece that can be so helpful. But is there anything else that you see changing and improving? I mean, I do think that donors are shifting how they think about charitable giving. And you can probably definitely talk about this as, as well. They want to be more intentional And I think they also want to give those dollars to trusted community partners. I think we're, we're moving past the days of, well, that sounds like a good idea. We'll give you some money. And then we've got a thousand nonprofits working on the same thing. And it's not really forwarding the goals of anybody's program. So I do think that that's changed. And I think what that means for partnering is that you partner with trusted community organization. You know, you have to you have to partner with the right organizations and you need to see actual 
results and and I'm all for good ideas, but it has to, it has to help somebody. It does. And I think, again, going back to the idea that you're the, you're the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Right. It it definitely means people are quickly aware that awareness piece, I think matters a lot, both to the donors, as well as to the community you're serving. Because if you launch a great program and no one knows about it, because you've tried to launch it yourself without a partner, it doesn't go anywhere. Similarly, if you have a bad idea, but you let everyone know about it, it also doesn't help anyone. Uh, So you need that partnership just to make sure that the good idea reaches the right people. And I think that's where someone like the libraries can really make an impact and a difference in the world. So beyond just the amazing asset you bring, which is books and (laughs) and the experience of traditional library experience, I guess is probably the right way to say it. Yeah. Isn't that funny that we call it traditional, but you know, literacy is still really uh, central to all the work that we do, but it just happens to be that people come to the library and they're looking for answers and we try and find them for them. And sometimes that means where they're going to get their next meal or where they're going to sleep that night in addition to their next great read. So again, we we try and be everything to everybody, but we just can't. And so that's why having really good partners is so important. So I've got to ask, I mean, you're the head of the library. What are you reading right now? <laughs> so I, um, I always say that I do not read probably what you expect. I like to read romances and I like what we call cozy mysteries. So they're kind of quirky mysteries where someone dies like before the book starts and there might be a dog that helps them solve the mystery or there's, you know, recipes in it. I like very non-stressful reading material. (laughs) So I'm reading, um, I have this series that I like. It's called The Country Club Murders and it's based in Kansas City in the 70s. So there are no cell phones. There are Dr. Scholl's, Mr. Coffee's, and Tab. And it's very hard to figure out who committed a murder when you don't have a cell phone. (laughs) Or the internet. (laughs) Yeah. I just think, uh, you know, most people would say, well, just Google it. (laughs) Right, right. Or, you know, like if you're out trying to solve a mystery and you happen to be, in this case, a woman who seems to find dead bodies um, all the time, there's nobody she can call when she's stuck in a place with the murderer who might be her mom's bridge partner. (laughs) Oh, well, this seems very interesting. I, <laughs> I actually do know of them. I, I, I have not read those books, <laughs> I will share, but, you know, sometimes you just need something that's a break from life is hard enough, just something to mentally separate. <laughs> yes, exactly. Definitely. And I also, you know, I used to read all of those books, like um, the witches, vampire books, but those, that genre kind of is not as, not as popular as it once was. Um, so yeah, I really, I like to read romances and cozy mysteries. Well, that's good. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah. Catch up on reading. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Thanks Bye. so much, Kristen.
Thank you for listening to The Five. Subscribe to our channel and make sure you catch every episode of The Five and reach out to Nimble Strategies today for help with your nonprofit.